The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So here we are with Captain Spectacular in the flesh. Hello, Mr. Townsend. Good to meet you here in Las Vegas, the home of many a rogue like myself. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And remember, if you sign up for the automated Talk is Jericho email notifications, thank you so much. And if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for, man? Just go to podcastone.com slash Jericho. Get on board. Be in the know. When it comes to this show, we're going to tell you who's coming up, what guests we got coming up, what we're going to be talking about, the topics, all the things we discuss, all the things we chat about. And we're going to send the episodes right to your email as well. So sign up now at podcastone.com slash Jericho. Get all the information. Be a part of the TIJ Army. Here we go. And so The Rock today is back on TIJ. I'm not talking about The Rock. I'm talking about rock and roll, man. I've got a great musician, a very quirky Canadian, and a huge, huge star worldwide who was discovered by Steve Vai. He uh, sang in Steve Vai's first solo record. He also might possibly have some controversial pictures on the internet from time to time. That ca- He also caused a little trouble at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Wait to hear that story involving nudity and a telephone it's not pretty but it's funny and that's the perfect description for Mr. Devin Townsend. That's right. He ain't pretty, but he is hilarious. You'll also hear the story about how I ended up playing Captain Spectacular on Devin Ziltoid 2 album and how we won a Juno for the damn thing. That's right, a Juno Award, a Canada's version of a Grammy. We won a Juno together. Devin's also got some great stories about his time with his mentor, Steve Vai, and how he ended up singing at that band, how he quit. Uh, involves him uh, basically throwing Steve Vai's guitar rig down the set of stairs. Lots of stuff coming up. We're talking about the Devin Townsend Project's latest album, Transcend came out last fall and Devin and his band are on the road in support of that album in Europe right now they got dates this weekend in France and Spain then they head off to Switzerland and Germany and then the US leg the second US leg of the Transcendence tour starts May 6th in Philadelphia he's going out with Opeth and Gojira what a great bill you can get tickets for all of his dates at heavydevy.com that's H-E-V-Y-D-E-V-Y.com that's Devin's website heavydevy.com find out the shows find out the, uh, the tour dates get some tickets and settle on in to laugh your ass off at the very quirky, crazy musical genius uh, and a little bit of uh, a little bit of pervert as well. <laughs> Devin Townsend coming up next. The Forbes interview from Podcast One just launched with the king of podcasting, Adam Carolla. On February 1st, we're dropping a new show. It's called Forbes Under 30, where we talk to young entrepreneurs hosted by me, Steve Goldblum. 
It's interesting because when you're a creator, that never leaves you. You always have this urge to want to create. Like, it's just who you are. You like you like to grow from Wrecked Ralph. She knew she was a driver the whole time. That's Martellus Bennett, one of our first guests. Who knew this NFL star was also an artist? He's that and much more. Subscribe to Under 30 on iTunes now and be sure to give us a rating and a review. Talk is Jericho. All right, we are uh, in Las Vegas. Two Canadians in Las Vegas, eh? Hey, how's it going there, Chris? What's up there, bud? How's it going, bud? I'm just good. I'm in the backyard working in my car with Larry there. (laughs) With Larry, with Uh, Gordy. Yeah, he's good. Gord's working too, yeah. Every guy in Canada's name is Gord. Yeah, and we all, it's funny too, because I don't know if it's the same with you, but it's like when I first started working in the States, my reaction to people that have that idea of what it means to be Canadian, it's just always been, like I get so frustrated by it. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? It's like somebody who's got a perfectly normal and articulate way about them will interrupt you halfway through your sentence to say, you said A. <laughs> yes. And I'm thinking after the second time, it's just, it's not funny. Are you from Canada? They'll say, because I heard your accent. Yeah. Okay, so if I go and talk to somebody from New Orleans, on, you can totally tell they're Cajun. Do I go, sure. so, oh, excuse me, are you from New Orleans? Because I can hear your accent. Say that cute thing again. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But it was funny. It was like the last time I was in LA, like I was working with some guys and I kept, every time I'd say it, they'd say, oh, you said a boat. Yeah. You said A. And then finally I was just like, dude, like this is fucking making me crazy, right? But uh, it's my own deal. I've had yeah. to get over it, right? But you never notice how much of an accent we have as Canadians until you go abroad. Because I, when I was growing up, I never thought Canadians had an accent. And then as soon as you go somewhere else, like, oh, you're from Canada. How did you know that your accent is so obvious? Uh, and now you can tell. Can you, though? Can you tell, really? I think now, like, when you came in the room, now that I know you're Canadian, I can hear your accent. Oh, really? But, yeah, I think if someone knows what a Canadian accent is, they'll be able to tell. If we go, like, if we go to L.A. or something, yes. If you go to, you know, Mississippi, they won't have a clue. Maybe it's just, you know, it's like that sort of so insular in your own head so much that I think to myself, like, I can't hear anything about the way that I speak that's fundamentally different. (laughs) And, you know, I got some other buddies that are just like, oh, Canada seems like such a weird thing. I'm like, well, it's a tenth of the population. And, you know, our KFC has corn and... You know, per capita, there's less Walmart, so it's a totally different culture. Right? Our KFC is corn. True. <laughs> I used to love these to have uh, corn fritters mm. with honey, mm. and they were only available in Canada. So I'd always get the the, the big, uh, you know, the the, the five piece, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And then the corn nuggets, and you dip them in the honey. Probably heart attack on a stick, but damn it, they tasted you good. See, and that's why the two cultures will never be able to <laughs> converge. never combine. That's it, man. But here's my favorite thing though about this. So in Canada, uh, the Canadian version of a Grammy is a June. Yeah, and I have a Juno sitting on my uh, mantle in my in my front front room, which my wife then moved into our room, which then I moved back into our front room. Which we won a Juno together. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase that. You won a Juno. No. And I was on it. Can we do a high five? Do you think people would hear? That? I think that was your, all right. Right. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, oh, yeah. That connection. That too. was a Juno high five. Yeah, man. That was one of the coolest moments when I uh, go to the mail and I open up the mailbox and there's a freaking Juno in there. This thing is huge, <laughs> man. That was great. We won that for uh, Z2. Yeah. Your Ziltoid album. Yeah. Which was amazing. Can I take this opportunity now to thank you Please. for being involved with this? Because someone asked me the other day, they said, How did you get Chris Jericho to be involved with this? And I'm thinking, other than the fact that you're from Winnipeg yeah. and we got some mutual friends, 
friends. My answer to that is clearly, I have no idea. <laughs> really. It's like, because you, you ended up going in because we did the Royal Albert show, and you ended up going to a buddy's place, and you wore like a cape. No, and, dude, dude, it's even worse than that. So let me re- re- go back a bit. So, okay. so what we're talking about here, for those of you who don't know, is, is, uh, is Devin did a record called uh, Z2, which is Ziltoid, which is a, a concept record, which is very, very popular to your fans, uh, and we'll get into the whole thing worldwide, your fans, where I played Captain Spectacular, which was a voiceover. We met briefly at the Golden God Awards in England when I hosted it, mm-hmm. and I've always known about you from A, from your music, and B, because you produced Stuck Mojo's second record, Pig Walk. Correct. So Rich Ward loves Devin Townsend, always time with Devin, 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 so we almost had a mutual friend in the first place. Of course. And, that's, uh, we, and then a couple of months after I met you backstage, I get this email to ask me to play Captain Spectacular. Well, you, 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 again, so here's the Ziltoid thing. For me, I'm... You know, I got 30 records full of stuff, dubious quality in a lot of ways, and some of it's not too bad, but the whole idea with Ziltoy is I got sober a bunch of years back and had a kid, and all of a sudden, my love for Jim Henson and the Dark Crystal and all that stuff manifested as this rubber sock puppet alien that in hindsight is probably just a a metaphor for sex. But at some point... All of a sudden, I start thinking, well, what's Z2 going to be about? Like, and who's the characters? And and, uh, in the first... On the first album, I had this idea of this Captain Spectacular. And then when it came time for the second one, it was like, well, we're going to ramp everything up. Who could possibly be Captain Spectacular? And Chris, I have to tell you, there was never another alternative. And so when I contacted Rich, my first uh, mail to him was, look, this is going to be a long shot because I've only met Chris this one time. But it has to be this way because clearly... There's nobody else that can be Captain Spectacular. So thank you very much for being involved, brother. So then you sent me some uh, some lines. Yeah. Because by the way, like I was like totally into it. And then for I, and then once again, the answer is why did you do it? And I'm like I'm not sure. Maybe because I probably have about six of your thirty records. Yeah, wicked. I remember I, like, in Japan about Ocean Machine. I have a couple strapping young lads. That's I have wicked. Sex and Religion. Yeah. So I thought, well, well, this could be cool. And so you sent me some dialogue, and I remember I tracked it on my little on this on this Zoom recorder we're using right now. So sick. And I sent it back to you like uh, all this is bad can you please redo it and i was like oh. <laughs> did i say that well it was, it was not so direct but oh it was my like, god i think because i didn't I, I don't know exactly what i what i was wanting to do yeah and so like, why don't you try this with this and i have like this kind of this weird british accent and i am captain spectacular what do you want ziltoid so there you go so then it worked and you're like i love it it's great and so you send it off and you never think about it again right, right? so then fast forward i guess a year later ziltoid has become a huge hit <laughs> And you're playing the Royal Albert Hall, which, for those who don't know, is 5,000 capacity, one of the most prestigious venues you can play in all of Europe and all of England, and you've sold the f*** out yeah. with the Ziltoid show. Sure, yeah. Which was huge. Well, it was great, and it, it sold out really quickly. And here's the best part about it. If there's anything that underlines what it is that I'm trying to do, and one of the reasons why I enjoy our interactions thus far, and specifically that one, is I just really want everything to be an elaborate middle finger in some way. You know, it's like to be able to take a theme that fundamentally makes no sense and has very limited commercial potential and blow it up to the point where you, you've you got a ton of great minds and interesting artistic temperaments mm-hmm. like trying to find solutions for how do we make this big farting set of testicles <laughs> like get across the stage between this part and the other right and, and i mean i don't know man maybe it's just the petulant part of me that won't give it up but i love the ability to be able to do that mm-hmm. and i gotta tell you the next thing we're working on is let's like 
once you get away with it once, it's a slippery slope, right? See, so. but that's the thing. You have gotten this this very rare thing where you can do whatever you want, and you've got a huge fan base that that buys into it, and it's all great stuff. But like you said, listening today with uh, listen to Z two, and like it's 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 almost a comedy album. You're laughing in parts at yeah. some of the dialogue, like oh, well, you you you're so heavy and yet so cheesy, <laughs> and it's like you 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 just ha- you're amusing yourself, which you have this giant fan base that is amused as well. You know what? Thank you, number one. But, I, I, you know, you, you're saying you're here with your buddy that you've known for a long time. Mm. Same with me. Here's my thing that I find the most creatively satisfying with all this is I've got a bunch of really good friends, and a lot of them are people that I've spent many years with. You know, I've been married for so long. I, I mean, I like commitment. I like long-term things. You know, we're running a marathon and not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, how these creative things happen is everybody gets together, drinks a bunch of coffee, and it always starts with, wouldn't it be funny if... If. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And that's it. And and also on a a side note, hearing you do the Captain Spectacular voice (laughs) is so good. I I just, I listened to today, I was like, wow, that wasn't bad. It was so good. And But seeing you actually do it, I'm like, oh my god, that's him. (laughs) (laughs) You just did this. Because it's and then what you were alluding to earlier was we were on a Fozzie tour last year. I think it was in April, maybe, or something like this. And they were like, okay, Devin wants you to do some green screen as Captain Spectacular. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Like, okay, when do you want to do it? Some guy was emailing me. He's like, I'll come to Tampa. And it's like, well, I'm not going to be here. And it's like, I'll be in Manchester, England. We have a show that day. Let's do it then. Yeah. So I had to go to some studio on a show day, which, as you know, as a singer, sometimes Sucks. you're not feeling great. Sucks. And go into this green screen room. It was in the back of a music store. Yeah, we're budget. Green screen. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I show up. There's a plastic bag with open up, and it's like the most generic Superman costume ever without an S on it. It's like blue spandex with the red cape. And I got it. He's like, okay. like you have to put this on. Yeah, Devin wants you to put on. I'm like, Fuck, you guys are lucky I like Devin. It's so good, though. I, it, well, I'm sure it was amazing, but at the time, it's like, I got to get off the bus at like 11. I usually sleep till 3 p.m. You know how road life is. I got to tell you, <laughs> when this interview is over, man, we're going to make out. Because it's like this whole thing is just... And, and every time you did it, too, because, I mean, I'm sure it's similar with you. It must be that you think, I'm going to throw out there what the ultimate scenario is. Right. And if I get... Five percent of that, mm. we're still doing it, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. awesome. And so, to meet people, specifically people like yourself, people we're plural now, I guess. But uh, <laughs> people, you know, both of us, yeah. all of us in the room here. <laughs> but I mean, you've got you've had a, an amazing career, mm-hmm. and the fact that when we got the stuff back, I was thinking he's not going to put on the leotard. There's no way. Well, of course I am. But it did. You know I would. It was so awesome. You know I would. But the hardest part was the, the, when you gave me the lyric sheet to read. You know, months earlier, I'm reading it off the paper. Now I have to memorize the shit yeah. and say it, or maybe I was lip syncing it or whatever it was. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is hard because there's a lot of dialogue. I was there for like three and a half hours. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, no, but Thank dude, because I was thinking, I heard, I actually read in Metal Hammer some of the review of the Royal Albert Hall show. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, Five stars. Oh, it's yeah. the best thing ever. It's the new Pink Floyd, The Wall. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. Uh, so h- how exactly did the show work at the Royal Albert Hall? Well, I mean, we had uh, a couple opportunities prior to sort of work out our um, our creative force. And like I was saying a minute ago, my whole trip is a bunch of people that have failed over and over and over <laughs> to the point where now we are not really afraid of that failure and that allows us to sort of take things to a level that uh, are maybe is maybe perceived as being you know way over the top right so we did a bunch of shows in 
uh, the UK over the past prior years. We did uh, the Roundhouse, and we did this thing with this huge. We made this massive vagina and this massive penis that ended up like having this collision. And then there's all these <laughs> rope dancers, and we had to hire this circus who were like thoroughly confused. <laughs> right. You know, we're like at this part here, you guys need to explode through the vagina, and then we're gonna just chuck a penis at you, right? <laughs> and they're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so. And on that one, we had so many technical hurdles to, to get over that when we went through it and managed to sort of scrape our way through it and through a bunch of failures, like technical like failures, mm -hmm. by the time we got to the Royal Albert, it was just like, oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, this time, why don't we have this? We'll have all the risers and these big screens and all this big stuff. Puppets. That's it, man. Yeah. And so the next one that we're doing, like I can't, I can't divulge because it's of <laughs> such significance. What's yeah. happening next? But man, where we're gonna take it from here? It's like I feel like again a petulant twelve-year-old is like, oh, I got away with that. <laughs> what about this? What about this? It must be so exciting for you though, because and we'll get into how you came into the business. But now, like over the years, like I said earlier, you've been able to carve out this niche for yourself where it's Devon Town. And you know it's going to be wacky. You know it's going to be unique, and you know it's going to be amazing. Because musicianship-wise, let's not forget and never deny the fact that you're a, a virtuoso. Your stuff is great. Your hooks are great. I'm not just that because you're here. It's heavy. It's melodic. It's very much you. How did you get to the point? Here we are in 2016, almost 2017. Were you able to just basically do whatever the you want in this world where it's still so regimented on this guy's metal this guy's rock this guy's pop how were you able to get to that point well two things first off relationships mm -hmm. honestly it's like when you're touring and you know i work with people that you've worked with as well and i hear a very similar thing about the way that you have managed to sort of make the hierarchy of your touring crew work and that is there is none really mm -hmm. it's like everybody sort of relies on each other to do these things and i think if you can foster an attitude and an environment of of positivity creatively and making sure everybody keeps it in check you know i mean whether or not it's the uh the egocentricities or all these things then ultimately you're going to have a bunch of people that create a team where the deficiencies are evened out just by the fact that you've got a bunch of different personalities mm -hmm. there's one thing but secondly it's failing I know a bunch of people who have never failed and as a result of that are afraid to do anything. Mm. You know, I got a buddy that we were going to do like an improv thing together and he's like, I can't do it. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out why and it took me a little while to recognize, well, this guy's been in a band that has never done anything that has been significantly right. like panned. And so when it comes to just like letting it rip and playing notes, it's like there's this veil of like, I can't allow myself to be publicly humiliated mm -hmm. see i never had that problem because since <laughs> the very beginning it's been humiliation and failure and all these sorts of things but i love doing it so much and i'm surrounded by such good people that eventually mm -hmm. you're just in this position where it's like well what do we got to lose what's the worst that can happen you know that's an interesting thing especially when you mention like if you go on ro on the road and you have a good crew and, and the first thing is that everybody's a good Maybe not a good person, but but cool. I mean, right. some some cool yeah, people yeah. are degenerates <laughs> and horrible. Terrible people. But, but let let the guys do their job. Like if you have a sound man or sound woman like Lisa, which mm -hmm. I didn't even know she was on the road with you until you sent that picture. Totally. Let her do her job. You know she's good. Let the bass player play his part. You do your thing. You do your thing. I find that always works and it's almost like um, the proverbial giving the dog a bone if he does something right let the professionals be professional and you'll always have a better team that gives you a better show because no one feels the pressure of like oh f up i'm in trouble 
Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of times, specifically if you're running a situation that's rooted around you, mm-hmm. you know, Devon Townsend. Right. Project, it's your thing. It's my thing. But ultimately, I've learned uh, through kids, I think more than anything mm-hmm. else, that what I'm good at, I should focus on. And the things that I'm not good at, the only reason why you would want to control those things is because you've got an insecurity. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And so now it's exactly what you say. It's like, let the bass player play the bass. Yeah. You're hiring somebody to do, to do sound or to do lights. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I may have like a vague idea of what I'd like to portray, but ultimately by trying to, to control this sort of chaos, all you're going to do is make yourself mad, right? I think uh, it's like this in wrestling and it's like this with a band. If you, if, if you consider like a, like a great hockey team, because we're from Canada exactly. or football team. Cause this is a majority of us audience. You let, you know, you put the team together and if one guy's job is to play one, you know, if your job is just to play the, 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 the penalty killing and only time he plays, if there's a penalty kill and you go out there and kill it, your team will win. Right. You know, if I'm the center and then I'm skating over the left wing and then I'm skating to the goal and then I'm doing, you're, gonna, you're not going to, you're never going to do that. You're lose. Exactly. Right. And, I, and, and because, you know, I, I hang my head in shame because I was never particularly good at sports. I know it might be hard to tell just by <laughs> yeah. looking at the opposing. You're a strapping young state. lad. You see it, well, right? strapping middle-aged yeah, lad at this point. Uh, very middle-aged. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, I'm going to take that sports analogy and bring it back to something as nerdy as, as I believe I can portray. And that is Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, man. right? Man, totally. So, I was a huge Dungeons and Dragons guy. You were? Yes. All right. I was yes. too until all of a sudden my dungeon master, I was like rolling the dice to see how many times, you know, the orc got yeah. Because I was like, I hit puberty, and all of a sudden I'm just like, whoa, she's the female orc walks in the room. You're banging the orcs 20 times with the dice, right? How how does that work? Did you make up your own system for for sex? I all of a sudden realized, you know what? I didn't. There's no Dungeons and Dragons sex roles. Well, now there should be. Oh, there should be. And now we need to get this <laughs> yeah. happening. So if you have the twenty sided die right, and you roll right. over a ten, then okay. you're lucky. And if it's under a ten, she slaps you in the face. Well, maybe with her orc under hands. Ten, you're like on the bottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. right, right. <laughs> okay. Dude, this could be good. This we got a whole new thing here. Like dungeon. Gary Gygax. I don't know if you're alive or not, but if you are, give us a call. Devin and I got some ideas for you. What would be the name? Uh, well, Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons. Dungeons an and Dragons thing. and Dungeons. It's an S and M thing. I like it. D, yeah. D, and D. Yeah, well, exactly. here's the thing. It's like, okay, so my analogy for that in the same way you're talking about with sports is you may have a wizard mm-hmm. and he's got, you know, he's the ability to cast spells, but he can't protect himself. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got a pudding head or something, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got the other guy that wields a battle axe and yeah. is not particularly good at math, right. right? But you get a bunch of differential. Differential? That's a good word. Yeah, thanks. It is. Different. We're Canadian. There's a bunch of. That's di- Canadian for. Um, uh, for different. Different. Yeah. Uh, characters in one place and then the goal is ultimately you get a really strong team and yeah. everybody plays their role what was your uh, big big guy in dungeons and dragons Valeric. he was a 16th level cleric <laughs> yeah now, is he, did he live or did he die? no my buddy killed him and it sucked at that point because it was like right in line with the testicles dropping the whole dungeons and dragons episode ended up just Ending so poorly. Terribly. Yeah, and I was so mad, too, because it was a passive-aggressive thing. You're bringing me back to this. Well, because I I, I have a a retort for you. That's why I have one, too. But first of all, how did uh, Balarik die? You know, it's such a scarring memory. I don't even remember. I remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday. And I ain't talking about Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Devin. Go. Okay, my guy was Haltane. Okay. He was a paladin. 
He was. was yes, which is kind of like a, a warrior, but more of like a knight, like a like a glorious knight. And I don't remember what level he was on, but dude, I had hit points on a pop of hit points. I had treasures and battle axes and magic and spells. I was the shit, man. He came up against a chromatic dragon. Dude. Which, if you know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, I do, and I'm very sorry for your Thanks, loss. Thanks, man. Because that's that's punishing. For those of you who don't know, it's the worst guy you can Ever. get. It, the Chromatic Dragon is the worst of the chain of dragons, and basically killed me in like three bre- uh, blasts of his fiery breath, where I had like 90 hit points, 60, 30, dead. Was and it your buddy that was doing it? Too? Yes. Oh, Colin Swanston. Forget that guy. From Wordsworth Way. Out of here, man. Uh, yeah, I've, oh, I have a big. I, I got a bone to pick with you if I ever see your ass again, you stupid <laughs> idiot. When you wait till he plays D D and D, he's wait. under ten every time. Yeah, exactly. Do you know? Be great is as well as if you take it to the point where it has like real world ramifications yeah. too. So it's I mean, not just hit points you lose; it's like your house, right? Mortgage payment. That's it. Kid gets pulled out of private school. Yeah, has to take the bus. I don't White, think Colin's wife, kid's not a wife school. is cheating on you with an orc. Yeah. You see, if if he was the type of guy that would nail you with a chromatic yeah. dragon, his kid's not in not private, private school. school. No, 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 no. Barely making it through public. Barely. In the, in the bottom half. Yeah, he's got a he's got a backpack that's S- anus. <laughs> scraping <laughs> scraping through with a sixty-two percent average. D D D coming soon to a bunch of sad, emotionally troubled middle-aged men near you. Near you. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the first time I ever saw you. And um, it was it was funny because I see the uh, video for was Sex and Religion, the Steve Vai record. It was just Vi. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the, what was the first video. It was deep called Deep Down Into the Pain. I think Deep Down Into the Pain. That yeah. was the song called. Yeah, it's called that. Yeah, don't giggle. It's serious. <laughs> yeah, is this real? <laughs> but the best part was here's the thing. So I'm with my friend Lenny, and and we were we were watching uh, the Vi album, the Vi video, and you come on, yeah, bald in like 1992. No one's bald. Yeah, yeah. total leather jacket, leather pants. We're like this guy. Looks like the Hellraiser guy, <laughs> we were called. I guess Hellraiser is awesome. Yeah, Hellraiser is great. So we love the Hellraiser yeah. on that record, which would be you. Well, that was such an interesting experience for me because I was 19, you know, and it That's was like, crazy. dude, tell me about. it. I'm 44 now, man. Yeah, excuse me. Nice. So thanks. Good. <laughs> yeah. That's a water arrowhead, everybody. Yeah. There I you go. Endorse it. We spiked it. You did. Yes. Now I'm, it's a roofie. I'm out. We're ready for the DD and D live. <laughs> I'm going over 10, man. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, with the vibe thing, it was like I was 19, dude, and I moved to LA, and I had all from the, Vancouver. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pie in the eye, like the whole, is that pie in the sky? Pie, well, pie in the eye is good too. Like ah. Pie Got an eye full you, of you're, you're a vaudevillian comedian, apparently. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, how are you? God, who wants the pie in the you, eye? You, you oh, got shit. on laughing with... Uh... Okay, I gotta finish the story. Okay. Chris. Sorry. So, okay, so basically, where was I? What uh, did we I were do? talking about you were pie in, pie in the eye, pie I in the getting, sky. I was a vaudevillian performer in the 20s. <laughs> right. I had a hat, and it was a very specific one. It was a velveteen type that only turned types cane. of and and we sang One monocle so. dripping down from the eye. <laughs> So you moved from Vancouver to L.A. to find your fame and fortune. I did. And, I'm, right. and my, At 19. My idealism was such that when I moved to L.A., I thought to myself, 
well, clearly what's going to happen is I'm going to go here and I'm going to become a big star and everybody's going to really like, you know, my connection to the rain and all these things that I felt like creatively. To the rain. I love it. That's the oh, okay. whole thing. Vancouver, man. I, I oh, write yeah, based yeah. on the fact that the, the weather there is. So Constantly crazy. raining, yeah. Moved to L.A. and everything I started writing sounded like Smash Mouth. And it was like, that's not the truth. I love Smash Mouth. So basically. Um, <laughs> this, is a, this is not a cut down against Smash Mouth. It isn't. I love Any that, Smash man. Mouth fans. Right. Man is well being walking on the sun. There you go. Do you know that song? I know I it. Song. Yeah. So, they have another I, one too. I, I went it. down there and it was like, but at the time it was like, I, I loved Vi when I was in my teens. Well, who didn't? Yeah. David Lee Roth Band. That was it. Zappa. That was it. You must have loved Zappa. I, well, I didn't actually. Really? Yeah, I liked him. But I always felt like he was. Uh, you know, and this is a hard, it's actually a hard thing to, uh, to put across because the, the Zappa fans are really like serious. Super hardcore. Yeah. And I mean, I would never in a million years deny his brilliance and, and a thousand times more than I no, would Of course, be. of course. I just felt like he used his uh, intellect in a sense that sounded condescending to me. Mm. It was more like, I'm really smart and I've mm -hmm. got a bunch of really smart people playing with a xylophone here, you know, <laughs> right, and you're right. really and dumb, yeah. right? And I, and I, but I think he's brilliant. I never liked the tonalities, but you know who I did like and I loved was Captain Beefheart ah. because it was a very similar kind of creative sort of trip, yeah. but it was oblivious to the fact that he was out of his mind. Mm. And I love that because Captain Beefheart was like, I'm going to write a pop record. And it's like, and people like, that's sure, dude. So I like that aspect of it. But when I went down there with Vi, it was like because of the, the Zappa fans and all this sort of stuff. I, I just didn't, I didn't jive with it. Plus, that was right at the time when like Nirvana and Soundgarden sure. and Pearl Jam and like for me, a Godflesh and, and Napalm Death. And I sort of moved out of that kind of guitar centric stuff. And as a 19 year old, I really wanted my identity mm -hmm. to be seen independent of Steve. And so I came into that uh, experience. Well, how did you get the gig in the first place? Well, I'd sent a demo to Relativity Records and they had signed my band to a deal. And because What's your band called? it was called Noisecapes. Yeah, dubious. And then because dubious. it was, man, noisecapes, oh, come, on. come on. It really rolls off the tongue. My right? high school band was Scimitar. See, that's good, though. <laughs> no, no, no. What is a Scimitar? It, see, you ever seen uh, Sinbad the Sailor with that curved that's sword? Awesome. That's a Scimitar. And the T in Scimitar yeah. was a curved sword. I, you see? There you go. Dude. That was my band. I think that's awesome. Well, it's not as good as noisecapes. Noisecapes suck. Come okay. on, dude. I appreciate it. Future though, tour, noisecapes and scimitar, scimitar. co-headlining right. tour, right. coming to a uh, middle-aged uh, problem child problem near you. childhood near you, <laughs> yeah. No, I... Uh, I, it was so you sent the de the demo to Relativity yeah, Records. I did, yeah. yeah. And then I got signed to that. And Steve needed a singer, so I went down, did the Steve thing, and then so it they was, so uh, they called you and said, "Listen, Steve Vine needs a singer. Can you come did. down? Did yeah. you have long hair? Or were you bald at that point? I had long hair. I had that type of hair that Faith No More had. You know what I mean? Where they shave the sides. Yeah, and all that. yeah, yeah. And it was only about. Uh, six months after I went to L.A. that it all started falling out. Oh, yeah, because you had a wicked skullet for a while. Dude. Yeah, well, that, and that's also the petulant part as well, where, like, <laughs> someone was, like, giving me a hard time about going bald. Screw you, like, male par pattern it. baldness. That's it. I'm just going to grow it. I'll frame it. <laughs> but what you wore glasses, too. You look like a crazy genius. And it's funny, because I look back at these images from 15 years ago now, and I think to myself, like, God, how did someone not just pull me aside? <laughs> I had friends. Can. Really? <laughs> Can they tell me? Come on. Yeah, dude. dude come here, hey, man. Even my wife. I mean, now I look at I'm like, well, why did you? Why did you sleep with that guy? It's like messed <laughs> up, man. I like skulls. What can I say? Um, she didn't. She had a, I'm mad at her now. <laughs> she just ignored it. Her, yeah. She ignored it. So well, you had the? Did you have an audition with Steve? No. I just, oh. I just moved there. 
What? So you just you were so great, you just moved there, and they said, "Here's a gig." Well, that was it. What? And it, and it was funny because when I moved down there, I had never auditioned, I had never sang for him, and he just had me come down. And it was like, up to the day that the tracking of the record actually began, I never sang a note for him, and I was wow. so nerved up, dude. Like as you would imagine, because I never considered myself a singer. Mm -hmm. It was you were a guitar player at that point. Yeah, I just started singing because every other singer that I tried to audition was a douche. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'll just do this and see if I can do it in tune. And so that was it. I moved down there, and it was like two months of just living in L.A. and like freaking out about the fact that I know I'm not good. Mm -hmm. And then. He just kind of had me go in there, and I guess because he had committed to it, and because perhaps he liked where I was at creatively or emotionally or whatever, he decided to commit to producing it. Mm. And the ramifications of that ultimately led to strapping, I think, because uh, to this day, being told how to articulate emotions is something that just sends me over the, wow. the top. And that's why even why I said earlier, the rain. The way that I write has always been connected to uh, things that are not technical, like uh, I guess it's synesthesia or whatever. Where I great know, word, yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's like synesthesia. Be <laughs> great in Scrabble. Syllables. You'd beat me in Scrabble. I'm multisyllabic. If words for friends was still a thing, you would kill me right now. Well, I think that my undulating multisyllabic syllable. Yeah, no, I'm really good with those, man. I get paid by the syllable. I feel so lugubrious that you just did that right you now. You don't look it though. I, I kind of when I came in, I was professional. Thinking, <laughs> inside lugubriosity is hitting me right it, now. Dude. Yeah, you know what, man? We we amp each other up so much. We do, dude. It's like there's a great connection here. I know, but I keep feeling like we're both gonna have like a manic episode. <laughs> And then I try and like bring it back down. I'm like, oh my god, it's like it's fun. But then I'm like, oh yeah. But then I think, oh, but Chris has got he's got this big thing, and it's like it's like a podcast with a bunch of people What's listening. What's his listeners like, thinking right now? They, they still don't understand what Captain Spectacular is. I know man. you got to check it out. You got to check it out. Yeah, just download. Available on iTunes now. Don't even just download. Okay, for Take free. It all. Go on Apple Tunes. Buy a shirt. Free. Yeah. yeah buy, buy a shirt. Yeah. Go to the Royal Albert Hall if you're in England. If not, then just don't worry about it. Well, what is, you know what's funny though? Just like change stuff. Yeah. So when I did the Vi thing, and then I did a a bunch of records and it's all no no no, yeah. no but, but I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over it because here's the thing okay listen this is, and it's interesting to me I'm sure you've told the score story a hundred times but never on this show okay so to me it's interesting you're a 19 year old kid and you move from Vancouver to LA yeah, yeah. to find your fame and fortune yeah very very at that point in time too is probably 91 92 maybe 93 I think yep. it was 93 yeah, yeah. Steve I yeah. David Lee Roth White Snake Zappa his own shit totally and you're the singer yeah. for his first big kind of solo thing you get the gig. Do you have a good relationship with Steve? Is he cool to you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but at the time, I mean, I'm 44 now. He was 35. Right. Or 33. And you're 19. Dude, but I, I look at buddies of mine now that are 35 or 33, and I mean, it's like he was a legitimate rock star. Yes. You know? Like an iconic guy even That's back then. It. Right. And so my perspective of him was two things. On one hand, I thought of him as Steve Vai, the guy that I liked as a teen. And, and on the other hand, when I first had my interactions with him there was like a connection that was cool mm -hmm. it was like there's there's a sense that beneath that kind of veneer that that the 80s had there was a guy that was you know awkward and very musically astute and mm -hmm. you know unkind and and you know awkward and so I really resonated with that but then when I went down to LA it was one of these things where he was still trying to figure it out and our relationship now is such that we can admit these things to each other he's like dude I was going oh, through so you guys are, are buds now you oh, know yeah. each other oh that's oh, great totally. that's cool yeah, yeah. but it's like but he was like dude I was going through some crazy stuff I had you know made a ton of money and I was like I was a kid, 
And you know, and so he and was a, a huge thing. thing too because it was the first Vi. Oh yeah, it wasn't Roth or White Snake or Zappa. It was Vi. And right at the point where all of a sudden the industry didn't want that. Right. You know, they wanted either him to be that or they wanted it to be like Nirvana. Yeah. So he had, I think he would admit as well, like there were certain aspects of of controlling that that ended up backfiring on him, and there were certain aspects of my inability to articulate my discontent. That resulted in me like taking a dump in his guitar case. Right? Okay, what? Yeah, <laughs> but see, that was it. And okay, so here's the best part. Here's the best part. So we did. Um, okay, that's a yeah, you know what? What I I had a hard time articulating myself, mm-hmm. so I have to go where you got. You got. I'm not gonna talk to you. I'm just gonna dump. That's what I was like. But I I you. Uh, and that was it. So here's the best example of that. So we did the Tonight Show. Did you really? Yeah, but check this out. It's brutal. So the uh, I'm not even like I just finished a book, but I can't give the specifics of it because the management at the time was this really like famous dude mm-hmm. who did not understand me. Mm-hmm. And so we did the Tonight Show, and the day before, you know, they had put me in this thing where I'm supposed to rehearse all these moves and like how do I just oh they wanted you to, to like dance and stuff like not dance but like do the the, the whole thing. lead singer shit the whole thing right and they had me look at like pictures of like Axl Rose and all oh. this stuff and I'm going I hate this like <laughs> like this is and they had you know spent like a bunch of money to give me all these big fake dreadlocks that looked really cool and like what was ever was hip at the time you know like nine inch nails and all this stuff but I was like oh my god so the day before the Tonight Show me and my buddy who now lives in Long Island who we were rooming together who's one of my best friends still we shaved all the hair off shaved my eyebrows off and as opposed to like the black leather suit I went to Walmart and got a pair of grey shorts and a grey shirt and wrote all my buddies names all over my arms and everything you'll see it's still online and we did it and it was is this on YouTube oh yeah and it's punishing because you got like a big band and all that and I'm like oh my god it's brutal right is and this you and Vi is, is, is it still Terry Bozio you know, no it was it was Abe who's, who, Abe he's with like Paul McCartney Abe Laborio yeah he was with Steve Vai yeah, yeah 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 he did the tour and who was on bass uh, TM Stevens oh my god that's it was like, great that's a Band of killers. Right. So you think on the surface, this, <laughs> ends, this, this night's going to end well. However, as things go, so we were in the backstage area in the green room area, and we had met everybody, and everybody was really, like me and Mark were hanging out, and everybody was kind of like, not a peckerhead, but just like, you know, it's just kind of like the L.A. thing. You and who had met? Oh, Mark. Sorry, my buddy. Was okay, got you. Your friend got you. And we were menaced yeah. together, right? So we were just like, these guys are like. This sucks. This sucks, you know, and Steve's in a shitty mood and everybody's doing it, and, you know, Jay Leno, and he's like, how are you doing there, kid? You know, and all this. We're, wearing his denim shirt. So. Canadian tuxedo. So Mark goes, we should, we should f*** with them. So we went into the back room and there's like the office there and the green room and like the phone, all this stuff. And I was like, well, Mark, put your jacket up on the windows so no one can see, right? We locked the door and I took all my clothes off and like started doing all these poses all over the thing. And then Mark's like, you should stick the phone up your ass. So I did. And then we took a photo. It's online. Like the phone in the dressing room? If you look up online, Devin Townsend phone in ass, (laughs) it's a picture of me in the back room of The Tonight Show with the phone up my ass. And so we thought it was funny. Yeah. You know? Why wouldn't you? It's funny. So then we left. Thinking nothing of it. Then we went out onto the main, was it Jay Leno's desk, and we took pictures mooning in in front of the desk. (laughs) Great. We're going home. Anyway, next morning, phone rings. Management of the person who I can't bring up the name, who was just like, "What in the f- were you guys doing?" And I was like, "No, nah, we, we played the show. Like, what?" 
And he's like, I can't believe that you did that. I was like, we didn't. He says, did you stick the phone up your ass? Why would you do that? And I was like, no, we didn't. I did. They're like, but they had the, the cameras, like all the backstage cameras were recording the whole thing. So they've got all this image of you with the phone up your ass, and now we can't come back. <laughs> so we went out on tour after that for about a year and a half. Steve, by this point, was thoroughly confused with my guitar pick saying, don't use Jay's phone, right? <laughs> Sorry, Chris. That was the best I can do. You put that on your. That was an anecdote. You put that on your guitar. Yeah, yeah. But that's an anecdote. What do you think of that? It's a great. See, it's a pretty damn good anecdote. Thanks. But man. let me just clarify this: you All put right. on your guitar Fix. pick. Don't use Jay's phone. Fix it. Steve's playing with it. I don't think he. I think he gave up by that. Were you playing guitar too with yeah, Steve? Yeah. Do you know him? I just briefly. I think yeah. whenever I've met Steve, he's been a perfect gentleman, but but he's a rock star. Yeah. I don't know the real Steve. Yeah, he's like you do. Yeah, he's cool, man. He's like, he's great, actually. He's really cool. But I mean, it's like, I don't think you can like be raised in that era mm-hmm. and like go through those experiences and, and not have it color your personality, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know, man. Well, especially since, I think, you know, he was, okay, so you're 44, but 10 years early. Imagine if you had a 25 year old guy in your band. I'd hate him. And I'm sure he was kind of the same. Like, what? Oh, dude! I understand this guy because I was him once, but I'm not anymore. Yeah, you know, and now he's sticking phones up his phones ass. Phones up his ass, taking a dump in my guitar case, right? It's like, they why did you take a dump in his guitar I case? I couldn't figure out how to communicate with him. I was like, I'm really upset here. Yet our paths of communication have been blocked by months of 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 dysfunctional interactions. So mm. clearly. That's the only course of action is take a shit. But I mean, uh, did he yell at you when he no, found out? No, he was out? Just super confused. He was like, "Why would you? But why?" Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's like, man, I don't know, dude. It's like, uh, I feel like ultimately, this whole uh, process of like learning and like trying to figure out what I want to do and all this sort of stuff. I really think that I just like having fun with my friends. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure my kids are okay. I mm-hmm. want to make sure my wife's happy. And ultimately, when I get older, man, I want to be surrounded by people who don't think I'm an asshole. Right, right, right. Right? So all this stuff that happened when you're younger, I mean, it's like, it's I can't also, imagine you didn't have some Well, dude, too. trust me. Like I said, that's you why I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm not going to say the exact thing, but you, me, and Mike Inez from Allison Chains have a very interesting text uh, chain that we have because we're all a little bit warped. Yes, Because you know why? You started when you were 19. Guess yeah. how old I was when I started? 19. Guess yeah. how old Mikey was when we got an Aussie? 22. Right. When you start at a young age, you think differently from the rest of the world. And that's not good, bad, and different. That's just the way it is. Totally. You know, you've been play- you were in a band with a record deal with Tonight Show and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Basically as a teenager, early 20s. Totally. Look back now. What the f- What did we know in early 20s? Nothing. 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 Did you ever do drugs when you were a kid? Uh, not an, as a teenager, but yeah. in, when I first got in the business, I had a few issues. That was me too. Yeah. And see, that's exactly what happened. Like I didn't do anything. Like I was sober as a judge mm-hmm. up until after the Vi thing. And then I was like, clearly now's the time I start doing acid. <laughs> and then I remember just at that point making just a series of terrible life decisions, <laughs> right? That haunt me to this day. But you know, I think that, like you say, when you start at that young age, man, it's like there's this combination yeah. of like insecurity and ego and all this. It's interesting because I, whenever we have shows at Madison Square Garden with WWE, there's a way that you can go where you take a right and take a right and there's a lot of traffic and you go the right way. Other times, if there's too much traffic, if I take a left and drive the, the wrong way down a one-way street, oh, I've actually got a... <laughs> Oh, Devin is here. Looks like he's actually... Is that him pooping in the... Uh... No, that's the phone. Oh, that's the phone. I'm actually looking right now at a picture of Devin with his phone up his ass. 
Thank you, Jeff. Good to see you. So My ass doesn't look like that anymore. So look up Jeff. Just Googled it, yeah, which is thanks, great. Buddy. Thanks, buddy. That, see, there it looked like two elbows <laughs> pressing together. Now it looks like two uncooked two loaves of bread. <laughs> but I can drive the wrong way down a one-way street in New York to get to the guard and know if any cop pulls me over, they're going to go, hey, you can't do that. Oh, it's Jericho. Go ahead. Really? Y- yeah, because, really? because the New York cops know our thing. And when you are young and you start off like, you know, being in Vi's band, you have a little bit of extra pull probably as a guitar player, as a singer, as a musician, because they know, oh, he's in Steve Vi's band. We'll let him in the club or whatever it may be. So it does kind of warp you a bit when you start at a young age at a, at a high level. Can I, can I say something here? It's like Please I do. always knew that you did wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and I know that you're, you've got a lot going on. Mm. But when we first met each other and we were at the Golden Gods, the Golden Gods yeah. my thought was, I like this guy. You're yeah, from yeah. Winnipeg, and it seems like we can talk, and it's cool. And it's only in hindsight now, like retroactively, I'm finding out all this stuff about you. <laughs> There's one day that you were sending me texts, and Mike was sending texts, and I'm like looking on the phone and these images that we sent, <laughs> these very classy images for those. But then Phil. I on the TV, and you were on the TV. Right. You were doing like some talk show thing. And I'm like, but, but he's wasting his time texting me. But as you know, dude, like, listen, if I text you with something fun or Mike did and you're on in five minutes, yeah, yeah. you would respond. Of course. I got, you got you on in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'm on in five minutes, yeah, but yeah. I got this first. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, I got to be warm up and got to be ready. I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. Now it's just like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll be on in a couple minutes. Well, that goes back to what I was trying to say a minute ago. I mean, I really enjoy music and I really enjoy these things that I get to do and, and these creative endeavors that we go on. But ultimately, as I get older and with kids and all this stuff, man, it's like my, my I'd like to think that my identity is not so heavily invested in what I do mm-hmm. that without it, I would cease to exist or mm-hmm. I wouldn't have cool people around me, you know? And I right. think that it seems like it's the same with you. You've got like people around you that you enjoy the company of and you've That's managed what it's about, to. Though, man. Absolutely. Especially when you spend, you know how it is spending enough time away from, from home because you live in Vancouver still yeah. or Vancouver area. Yeah. I'm sure you don't tour Canada a lot. You tour, Never. I mean, like I said, you're huge overseas in Europe and in England and all of these places. You're away from home. The only way to deal with that is to have people around you that are positive people. And people that, yes. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. also people that in, maybe it's the same with you, that have known you long enough that you can use yes. as a litmus test to know when you're being an ass. Sure. You know? Right, it's right. like, I got, you know, guys in my band, I can look. I can, you know, things are happening professionally and things get more intense as time goes on but I can always look at the guys and I can tell whether or not I'm Mm -hmm. reacting to it in a way that's inappropriate right the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This, this is Talk is Jericho. When did you start um, realizing, or not realizing, but you started forging a name for yourself? Like I said, where you're in Europe and you're, or you're England and you're selling out Royal Albert Hall. Has this been for the last two years, ten years? And what what was that 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 got you to that point? New management. Hmm. I think uh, one of my in my Dungeons and Dragons thing. One of the things that has been not a failing but a liability of mine is my uh, 
inability to uh, curb my creative impulses. So if I have an idea, the compulsion to take that to its conclusion is such that everything else uh, goes by the wayside. And for many years, I spun my wheels as a result of that. I'm like, I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. And there was never any momentum that happened. I had managers at that point, but they were much more inclined to let me do what it is that I, I wanted to do. So when it became clear to me that the management was no longer uh, pushing the career forward, I started looking for some new people. And I talked to a guy in a band that was doing really well. And I said, can you suggest a guy? There's a guy in the UK. His name's Andy Farrow. Uh, he does Opeth and a bunch of other things. And I think that he would be able to get his head around what it is that you do. So I had him as a consideration. I talked to a couple other managers before him. And they had said to me, Devin, whatever you want to do is great. We'll facilitate that. Take it as far as you want to go. That's great. And I was like, this sounds ideal. And I met with Andy. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. He says, your finances are a mess. You've got no trajectory. You've got all this stuff going on. I don't think I can work with this. I don't even know where to start. And I'm like, yeah, but look, we've got all this, like, we're, there's all this success over here. He's like, yeah, but there's no trajectory. And without that, you're not going to proceed. I'm going to have to go away and think about it. And I was like, oh, shit. And my first thought was like, well, this guy, man. Mm -hmm. He's not telling me what I want to hear. Right. And then he came back and says, okay, well, this is what we need to do. Musically, because you're so... Um, uh, diverse with you know, got a new age type record and a death metal record and a jazz record and then sure. an orchestra thing he says we need to sell it more as the personality and rather rather than trying to categorize it as as any certain type of thing and if we do that we can put it as like a ringleader or or like the puppeteer thing mm -hmm. or make the book or make whatever you're doing creatively fall under the umbrella of a creative entity rather than a band or, right, a, or an individual right, right. thing. Like the Zappa model is mm -hmm. what he was trying to go for. And as a result of that, now I've got a guy that tells me no. And for me, at first, I was just like, well, I never. I'm going to have to take a dump <laughs> well, in something never. here. You know? <laughs> I'm going to stick some kind of a communication instrument up my ass. Any type. Any type. I'll take that. Dude, we got to do the thing at some point. We got to go between Ziltoid and Captain Spectacular. <laughs> but it was. Uh, but that was it. And then all of a sudden, now over the past eight years, Andy's got me on a thing. I'm like, I want to make a symphony. I want it to be a metaphor for power and sex and a quest for God that's futile and ultimately it ends this way and it's going to be a million dollars to do it. We've got to do it in an arena. It's going to have a 100-person orchestra, 100-person choir, and it has to be brutal. It has to be fundamentally unsellable and it has to be all done in Icelandic and it has to have my own language and all this stuff. And the whole point of it, it has to be incredibly expensive to make the point about where consumerism in music and art has led. And he's like... Okay, but, but before you do that, give me 10 songs with choruses. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so oh. we just did it. We put a new one, and it's a little closer to that goal, right? And strangely, it's moving forward. But you know what's interesting to me? You mentioned like this is kind of like a zapper. It's almost like a Steve Vai. Very much. It, it, Steve, Steve is kind of like whatever it was and how many dumps you took and phones you stuck up your orifices, you might have learned something from that guy because to this day he still does basically what he wants to do within his within his brand. Well, here's the thing about my relationship with Vi. When we were young together, it was a very challenging thing for both of us. But now, the relationship that we have is like we're really good friends. Mm -hmm. And I'll be the first to say that I am incredibly proud 
to be able to, in some small way, carry on his lineage. Because in terms of people being a mentor for me, I don't think that anybody uh, would come before Vi hmm. for me. Like I've learned so much about what I want to do, what I don't want to do, how to manage myself financially, business-wise, all these things, both in the positive and negative from Steve. What a great uh, relationship you must have considering back in the day it was almost like, a, like you said, like the petulant child. He must understand the genius that's inside of you to want to continue to help you and mentor you. Well, I mean, uh, thank you very much, by the way. I mean, it's like I think that that talking about failure again, bringing this back to almost mm -hmm. the beginning. For me, if I was to look back at all these times I did stupid things and did childish things to my wife or to my friends, to Steve, how would you go on? Mm -hmm. Like it, mm -hmm. the, that embarrassment sometimes of making such stupid decisions is such that I remember thinking, God, I just, I'm a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. That was the mantra for a lot of years. But then when my kid was born, I remember talking to a guy who was maybe 20 years older than me. And I was like, well, what do I do, man? I've, I've been such a jackass for so long. I'm so embarrassed when I look back at this stuff. And he's like, well, honestly, you just got to get over it. Because if you don't, then you're never going to proceed. You'll just become addicted to that sort of sense of, right. I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. I am not worthy of love or success or anything. And so... I look back at these things now and all these experiences and my relationship with Steve, I think reflects that more than anything else. Mm. It's, you just have to get over it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've grown up and, and moved forward from that in some ways. Uh, quick question is interesting to me because, um, we've never talked about this cause we've hardly ever talked, but is this true? Cause I'm, I've been putting a little bit of Sherlock Holmes together. So you did a thing that was never really a thing, but it was a thing with, with Newstead, Jason yeah. Newstead. Yeah. Yeah. I rate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I R8, like irate. Yeah. And at the time, Hetfield flipped out on Jason because he was doing stuff outside of Metallica. Was that the project that he flipped out on? Yeah, but it could have been anybody. I okay. think that it was uh, inconsequential who was involved with it. I think the intention of Jason at that point was to try and um, uh, create some sort of sovereignty from mm -hmm. the whole Metallica camp. And I think that they were upset more at the intention rather than anything to do with the music. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But, they, but that's, that's basically when they kind of told him he was gone. Well, yeah, and in fact, it was like that whole... Uh, I did a number, I think five things with Jason in total. Five and songs or five different projects? Five different projects. Wow. But it was um, during all that time, uh, you know, our relationship was... It was fun. We had mm -hmm. a good time together, but it was never really a, like a, a real uh, mm -hmm. tight connection, I think, in terms of... Uh, creatively but it was fun we were friends right? you guys were just jamming though basically yeah. right? it was never a record deal or no, no, okay no, no, right no. right it was just fun and but i think that as a result of that time being so tumultuous for him as well i was privy to a lot of things about his mm -hmm. situation that uh that made it clear to me that that uh it wouldn't have mattered who was involved with the project it could have been you it could have been freaking johnny from down the street it didn't matter very much James didn't want him to play with anybody. That's it. Right. But again, it's like you watch their evolution, and there's some people that are very critical of Metallica and, and the ways that they've gone. But I actually look at Hetfield, having never met the guy, as a very inspiring cat because he seems to be an, an example of a guy who has put these uh, supposed failures or, or creative missteps to use in his own mind of saying, okay, well, look, at this is – this is something that I tried and this is what I learned from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people can glean a lot of um, inspiration from that, especially at his level, mm -hmm. you know? And 
Yeah, man, Metallica. It's it's Metallica. I couldn't imagine being in a band for thirty years, right? And still giving a shit. Yeah, you know, with other guys. Oh my god, it's just you. You yeah. do what you want, but yeah. And I still have a hard time giving a shit about it. You know, <laughs> you what give I mean? a shit about yourself. Very rarely, right? So to be in a band and like, okay, God, now we got to be Metallica. Mm-hmm. We've got a whole thing that relies on us being Metallica. The fact that they're doing things that may be construed as a misstep, like a movie or a festival or a Lulu right. or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. mean, good on them. For, for you, I mean, at this point in time, it's like you obviously call the shots and you've done such a great job in, in carving your niche. Do you ever go on tour with anybody as a, as a support band at this point? Oh, sure. Who, 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 have you, who do you go out with? Uh, well, we went out with Gojira last week. Were they the headliners and you're the... Okay. Yeah, yeah. In the States? Yeah. Okay. The States has never Maybe been... Maybe the States, a, yeah. Yeah, the States has never been a big market for me mm-hmm. at all, right? But I think... Uh, it's it's yeah absolutely man and mm-hmm. I, I I think it's good for the creative process like we did um, we were headlining festivals in Europe there we doing like these ones in Finland it's like fifty sixty thousand people headlining it and then we went back to Kingston Ontario <laughs> like to eighteen people. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> but I think without that... That's enough to keep you grounded, yeah, right? Yeah. And the best thing about that show in Kingston is because we couldn't get the gear up, I had to do it acoustic. And because it was advertised as not being acoustic, I had to stand at the door and tell people <laughs> that it's going to be acoustic. And this girl came through. She was just like, what? Who are you? I don't care. I'm here to drink. And I was just... I felt like this is probably really good for my future creative process. Listen, Devon Townshend, that's exactly, I don't care. That's exactly, what's up? And she gave me the look like I was wearing her sweater too. She's like, why are you talking to me? You asshole. And I remember, but literally four days before, I was like, Finland, you know? It was like this huge explosions going off in the sky and everything. We had a, a great night. Like uh, We played Hamilton, Ontario. I remember Sass Jordan was backstage just rocking with us. And there's probably, you know, it's like one of them like uh, Sunday afternoon festivals, like you know? It's like Kim Mitchell's the headliner or something. Yeah. And there was 10,000 people and they're rocking. And then we got to get in our car and drive over to Windsor. Yeah. We played in front of 27 people. Right. Like you said. And I was like, we're never playing Windsor again until the next time when they offered us a big guarantee. Yeah. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Guess how many times? There was 18 people that time. That's good. So Windsor, Ontario, we're never coming back to play for you. I'm because sorry. The, 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 every time you say it, the guarantee gets higher. And then <laughs> and the people get lower. If you're anything like me, then I feel bad for the people who give me the guarantee. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, and I feel bad for the people who showed up too. Same. It's Same. like there's nothing worse than like they're looking around like, wow, we suck because there's nobody here. That's it. This really sucks. But I think ultimately, <laughs> man, that's what makes that's what makes it fun. And and people have said to me before, you know, you put a lot of humor into your work. Do you think that's the wisest choice in something that you're trying to portray something of emotional significance to you? But just by the sheer nature of doing this for a living, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And if you yes. It, you yeah. have to have tongue-in-cheek and have the uh, ability to take the piss out of yourself. You have to. Because this whole business is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We know that. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, people are dying and things like that at home where, yeah. you know, your, your, your parents are getting older and all these things. None of this matters. If you're able to support yourself and your family and have some good moments, mm-hmm. somewhere like some good coffee even, you know, it's like <laughs> you're good to go. Like man. Zoltan's co- yeah. Zoltoy's coffee beans. Yes. But I think that's it, man. It's, it's like... Yeah, man, I it's it has to be viewed with with tongue in cheek, and I think that's why I uh, 
I uh, enjoy your company, man, yeah. because I see that. In we, we know that we're, like, we're just dudes. You know <laughs> what I mean? Ten years down the line, who gives a shit about us? Oh, don't dude. matter. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> I mean, at least in my Ten point, seconds right? from right, – actually, right now, I don't give a shit about either one of us. I don't – I can I did. care less. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did but now, it's now, all it's over, just, man. It's falling apart. Uh, as, as we wind down here, I'm just laughing. Can you tell me what your worst gig was and what your best gig was? <laughs> oh, there's been so many. Yeah. Where would you even start? I mean, Kingston, Ontario was That's a good one. no bueno to begin with. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Okay, well, okay, let me answer this. Well, with, so you're from Canada. You can't talk Spanish. Well, yeah, I did, it was no, no good, eh? No way. It was no good, man. Well, let me answer that with something that um, that uh, <laughs> I'm hoping you can you can follow up on because I can't remember. Okay. And that's what I was gonna say is a good portion of my job goes into forgetting the experiences because when I get home. I can't drag anybody else right. into it because no one has any perspective right. on it. You come home and you're like, it was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And people are like, don't care. Yeah, it's yeah. Thursday. Garbage needs to go. <laughs> That's like, yeah, totally, dude. So I'm just kind of like, so when I come home, I'm just like, I just want to eliminate the right. memories. Right? Right, right? So there's been tons of awesome, like mind-blowing experiences. And there's been tons of just brutal, <laughs> soul-shattering dark you know the only thing on tv is gummo type moments right and it's like but ultimately man we're still here so hooray for lack of other job skills <laughs> let's briefly talk about your new record transcendence man and there's been so many uh versions of devon from i have ocean machine i have strapping on lad i have steve i i have your cover of sinner on some oh judas God. priest tribute record from the mid 90s you might have even done something on working man too i did what was it which one did you do uh, i think it was natural science natural science yeah. amazing yeah you have so many different sides of the coin to you um but yet transcendence it's it's very much the epitome of of, of you grandiose um a little fear factor a little zappa a little dream theater a little priest there's a lot of a lot of all your influences kind of wrapped in there is it still easy for you to, to 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 put out these great records after putting out so many over the years no i'm bored of it and i yeah. think that's the biggest problem and and luckily each record that i put out i have to dig further to try and find inspiration mm-hmm. but man i've been bored of this style for so many years man it's like that it's like I, I created this sort of thing that people dig and is becoming more successful the more we do it and i got a great band i got a great group of people but it's if i was to define it, it's like black era you know, black album era metallica. metallica with like def leppard and enya and some weird classical stuff over <laughs> top of it with like a ton of echoes and a logo that looks like a pepsi commercial and right? phil specter production that's it <laughs> but you see to to keep mining that to try and find inspiration dude i've been out of inspiration for what are you gonna write about love come on i'm 44 <laughs> you know i mean married I, for 25 years write a song about i i hate going to the bathroom in the middle of the night four times and i have to sit <laughs> each time but that's a niche market right so what i try to do now is i try and put myself out of my comfort zone to find things that inspire uh, authentic emotional reactions within the parameters of what is still working and to be able to do that like with a record like Transcendence where the theme was more giving up control and allowing other people into the creative process allows me to have a record that I'm emotionally attached to sounds great keeps the thing going keeps the motion going and now I can go do my symphony hmm. you know and I'm not I'm not phoning it in but I'll tell you dude it's like to when I, when I was doing Ocean Machine 22 years old I'm like this is all that I'm resonating with but now dude like I did a record last year called Casualties of Cool Mm -hmm. which is like this weird sort of horror folk thing and I love that because that's where I was now what what, what name was that under uh, Casualties of Cool that was the name of the band yeah okay gotcha yeah and it's like uh, but that for me is great I Mm -hmm. love that that's where I was at but to do DTP now man it takes a lot of effort but 
the one thing I will say about transcendence and all this stuff is it's probably the best it's been. And emotionally, I'm still connected to it, but it's not easy to be so anymore. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be another Ziltoid record? I banished him. Oh, okay. You know, because uh, let me tell you a little story. When Captain Spectacular died. He's actually he's dead? He can't be because my son freaked out. Because you cut out the scream at the end. He freaked I out. I cut a wicked. I was like, Wah! And that was cut out of the album. But he freaked out. Wow. He freaked out. How old is your son? He's 10. So your well, son at loves. The time, he was eight. So he loves Captain Spectacular. And, and when he died, yeah. I had him in the studio and he was like, what happens now? And I'm like, well, the, the poosers come in that he <laughs> named him because they're. That's the villains, the poosers. They're little bums because. and a Literally bums. Yeah. Because, not okay. like, uh, not out of work guys. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Actual asses. Dep- now, depends on if there's another Ziltoid, right? <laughs> but it was like, I heard that the moon of Saturn was called Titan and it had oceans of methane. And me and my buddy were sitting around drinking coffee and we thought, <laughs> what sort of creatures would live in that? Poozer is what it was. But when I get it, he was sitting around, he was so excited. He had his little book and his doll. And then I was like, well, Captain Spectacular dies and floodgates opened up. I was like, not really, though. (laughs) He comes back. He comes back. It's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm I'm currently waiting for the inspiration to strike again. Well, if you need Captain Spectacular, my price is going to double this time. Really? Yeah, it's going to go from zero to zero. Well, this, Just let oh you my know. God. I got, zero to double zero. Can I tell you guys as well? Thank you, by the way. <laughs> I said to Chris, I was like, dude, what can I give you to You do did this? offer me. I was like, what did I say? You said you can either give me a million dollars or you can just give me like some pictures yeah. on like a I, text thread. I think it might... <laughs> <laughs> Pictures on our Mike Inez, Devin, Chris text. For That's thread. it. Right. Again, man, it's like. I might have made the wrong decision. I, I, You know what? I Of all these things that you've done and all these things that I've now retroactively <laughs> seen you involved with, man. Honestly, brother, thank you so much, dude. dude it was so it's much been fun. A pleasure. And you. I think you're being nice. My, from my recollection was I said, I think what I said in my mind was you can either give, give me a million dollars or you can give me like an anal washing. Oh, that's, that's what true. I thought you said, right? Oh yeah. So I didn't get either. Yeah. Which is fine. But that's if okay. there's if you want Ziltoid uh three and Captain Spectacular is back, I'm getting one of those two things. I, I'll tell you All what, right? man, I've got I've got a whole thing set up. <laughs> I got the dice too. And I'll tell you <laughs> what, dice, man, I'll get them the loaded. So dice. whichever side you want to be on man you get every time <laughs> last question man what's your favorite song to play live oh god uh it's hard sometimes uh, yeah i mean some nights all of them some nights none, none of, them. of them i think um on this tour the song failure is actually really cool yeah. because it's the first song that i wrote with the band mm-hmm. like i've been such a control freak about right, everything right. that i've done that that the song failure i think represents a paradigm shift for the band because we all contributed to that one and to play it live reminds me of the fact that uh uh you know you can always keep learning right yeah yeah, yeah. and it's always good to have a great team around you essential Great team, man. Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons coming to a uh, middle-aged, <laughs> middle-aged, emotionally dead human being uh, near you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Devin Townsend. Captain Spectacular says goodnight. Yes. Ziltoid, you are always destined to be humanity's last hope. All right, Devin Townsend Project is on the road right now in support of their latest ridiculously awesome album, Transcendence. They're in Europe right now. They'll be in the States starting May 6th for the second leg of the Transcendence Tour. I saw it back in Las Vegas uh, a few months ago, and they were a tremendous band. What a great performer Devin is, and he's just a 
total whack job, which in a, in a good way. And they're doing dates with Opeth and Gojira. It's a crazy lineup. It's a great lineup. So go check them out. You won't be disappointed. You get tickets at heavydevy.com. That's H-E-V-Y-D-E-V-Y.com. Go check out my fellow Juno Award winner, uh, Devin Townsend. Thank you so much for being here. I love the, uh, well, you might have got Jason Newsted fired from Metallica. He'll always have that on his conscience. So go check out uh, Devi and go check out the uh, Transcendence album. You can get that on Amazon, of course. And if you do, please use the Talk is Jericho links. You can support Devin and your favorite podcast in one quick click. You find my Amazon links at podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got them Amazon links. USA, UK, Canada, A. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. Buy anything you want. No hidden fees or extra challenges. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You find all my great sponsors there as well, including DDP Yoga. 25% off all DDPY merch and swag. And if you buy a combo pack, you get a second one for 50% off the price. That's already 25% off. You know that one. DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. Go to CISO if you want to laugh. <laughs> Sign up at CISO.com. Get two months free with the promo code PODCAST1 at checkout. S-E-E-S-O.com. Thanks for making the Jericho Network at Podcast One such a tremendous success. Also, don't forget about True Car. If you're going to buy a new car, your used car, uh, and right back to the Jericho Network. Huge success with Beyond the Darkness leading the charge. It's scaring the crap out of everybody. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people getting the, 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 the poop scared out of them five days a week. Beyond the Darkness. Team Tiger Awesome making you laugh every Sunday. Uh, last week's Create a Super Bowl episode which was great. You got to check that out. And of course Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus on Tuesdays. Uh, Disco Inferno was on this week and ooh, the results weren't good. Lance uh, Lance uh, was vicious, was savage on poor Disco. I think Disco became the big baby face in this. And of course the flagship show the big hit. Keep it at 100 with Conan. Uh, Conan, Disco Inferno, KG nothing is off limits. They cover it all. Aren't afraid to say exactly what on their uh, their minds, their intelligent minds, their wacky minds, their uh, Air Iran minds. You know, they're always doing some stuff on there, having a great time over and keeping it 100. And this week they got uh, Ken Shamrock is going to be on the show, which is cool. And, you know, Ken Rock, Ken's, uh, Ken fits in with those guys completely. So go hit subscribe at iTunes. You never miss a single episode of any of the great shows on the Jericho Network. We've got a lot more coming. Believe me, i got a lot more chomping at the bit. Chomping, chomping at the bit. Leave everyone a rating and review. We're recording the new Fozzie record as we speak. Go to Chris Jericho Fozzie on Instagram or on the Twitter at I am Jericho to catch a couple snippets of a couple of the tunes. People are going nuts for them. They're great, great songs. You're going to love it. And you're also going to love uh, Mick Foley, March 15th, 2017. 39 days and counting until the biggest podcast ever. Hard to believe we've been talking about this for almost a year and uh, it's it's coming true. It's coming. So you're going to love it. Thank you for listening today. Keep listening for the 60 Second AP News headlines coming up next and coming up next Wednesday. That was my imitation of Cult of Personality. Didn't do very good. Uh, but it's not CM Punk. Sorry. It's Living Color, the band that wrote the song that CM Punk used to come to the ring. And what an interesting band they are. One of the first African-American hard rock heavy metal bands talking all about their uh, experiences in the 80s when they first showed up as a rock and roll band they were directed to the rhythm and blues department of their record company still some crazy uh, segregation type stories from them living color all four members are going to be here Doug Wimbish Corey Glover Vernon Reed and of course Will Calhoun on the drums you are going to love it they're great boy they got a lot to say and they're going to be here on Wednesday I got a lot to say and it involves this 
Have a great week. Uh, stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. Be safe this weekend. And remember, always, if you have ever any doubt, remember this. Yeah, boy! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 